Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to The Invested Investor. I'm sat opposite Iris Barcia this week. Iris is an experienced telecommunications professional who transitioned to the startup world with Kamer. She is the current Chief Operating Officer at Kamer, having previously worked in new product development. Kamer has had its ups and downs, but is now successfully growing and has recently added its third global office. So you've centered around the telecommunications industry for most of your career. What directed you down this career path? Thank you very much for the introduction. And I think what drove me, I've always liked technology. So I knew the things I didn't want to do when I was kind of growing up. And at the end, when I had to decide if I wanted to go to university, what I wanted to study, it was between aeronautics or telecommunications. And... I'm quite glad it was telecommunications because it's such an exciting field. And at the beginning, I don't think I understood it that well. I think it took me some time to realize how exciting it is that it changes so quickly, that there is always something, something new that uh, you can learn. And that is what has kind of kept me, I think, in telecommunications. And now also I see that Telecoms and many things actually are getting together, like uh, the relationship between how we behave and the devices and the technology that we have available and how those things are coming together and bringing up new services, bringing up even consumer products sometimes. And I think it's fascinating. So never get bored of it. Did you have a techie upbringing? Were your parents in technology? or? Well, I think my first techie failure was that I had a, is it called a clockwork toy? One of these. Uh, so I had one of those and I was desperate to know how it was working. So I asked my parents, can I open it? And they said, yeah, yeah, you can open it. And then I can never, I could never put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so I try and I try and I try, but obviously I didn't understand that once you remove the spring from the place. <laughs> how old were you at this point? Oof, I don't know. I think maybe I was like six, wow. seven years old. And then my parents never allowed me to open any other thing <laughs> after that. But yeah, my dad was into computers. He was a radio communications engineer in ships. So I remember going into the ARCOM's kind of cabinet in the ships. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been always been there. It has, it is always that, you know, Something that has interested me and probably that definitely, don't know, have influenced me. And also I love Star Trek. Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, my teenage years. I love the series and like the original ones. And I used to dream about this uh, kind of hologram experience and teletransportation. So we'll find out in a few minutes that Kama does the teleportation. <laughs> <laughs> we are trying, no. <laughs> Fortunately, not. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. 
But you know, technology always fascinated me. So I think that's it, basically. Yeah. Okay, so you did telecommunications at university. What was your first job out of university then? Well, I actually started working when I was still at university. So my first kind of paid activity, I was working for the university in their computer labs. And we were fixing computers. So I had never opened a computer before. (laughs) And I had plenty of computers there to tinker with. So that was the first one, really light engagement. So lovely. I was just, you know, working with colleagues and, you know, really fun thing. And then I did get the opportunity to join Telefonica. So I was still finishing university. And because I was preparing my dissertation for the master's degree, I asked them if I could do it. But then I thought, well, it just makes sense. It's uh, the times that we are deploying 3G. Everything is new. And then they say yes. And it was fantastic. I got the chance to suddenly go deeper into mobile communications. I got the chance to visit a base station, which was an amazing experience because suddenly from my you know, simulated world, I went into looking at the physical, you know, the boards and the, I, I could see like the lights coming out as the calls were going through. So that's really, you know, I think it was a tipping point for me. And I thought, I really like this. And I also got the chance to go around with, there was like a Thames um, measurement equipment. And I put an antenna, two antennas actually, GPS and and an antenna receiver at the top of my car. And I just drove around my city. And yeah, people were looking and I was just like, they're enjoying myself. I'm measuring this like new antenna that we've just deployed and really, really exciting times. So that you know, defined quite a lot of what I ended up doing after. So it was a really good time. I learned loads there. What did you learn from working in a large corporate then? Well, I suppose at the time I didn't realize, for example, I did have a female boss and I was very young and I didn't realize how significant that was how unique she was, basically. And I think within corporate world, it's still difficult or unusual to find uh, females. I think even the startup or smaller company world, sometimes it seems to be more flexible. And if you're a female and you want to do it, maybe, don't know, you can be there. But in the corporate world, I think, don't know, if we compare numbers... Uh, there was a massive difference and you know, even more at the time. Then, yeah, structures, processes, sometimes things are just slow. So those are the negative sides. But then I think the group, at least, that I was a part of, we had a great manager and he made a massive difference. I think he managed to organize events where we could come up together and the meetings weren't like, Boring, you know, oh, we just have to review KPIs and yeah. things like that. And I think, you know, that worked out quite well. And then I think with the right approach, the possibilities are a bit easier. Some things are easier to do from a corporate world than from the small company. Yeah. I think my learnings 
from the time it's just that it's so different <laughs> <laughs> maybe subconsciously you've used what you learned in oh, the corporate. Yeah. yeah yeah like obviously we do loads of things with big companies and comparing our size with the companies that we we work with our clients there is such an imbalance but i do understand sometimes what is going on yeah. so I, i kind of can put myself in the position of the person i have in front of me I'm thinking, well, yeah, so they will find this issue, this will be the limitation. Still, I mean, sometimes I, I've, I've got many surprises about it anyway, <laughs> even if I think I can understand it sometimes. <laughs> There are always surprises. But yeah, it was, I think, mainly that. So the experience that I gained at the time, and then you have access to resources from the corporate world. You've got access to resources that are very difficult when you are in the small company. Yeah. You know, some training, access to information, and that's massive. Like, if you are in the corporate world, you are from a big company, and you just drop the name, so many doors open. If you are in a small company, well, you have to knock many times <laughs> that's, and keep knocking. So after corporate life, you decided to do an MBA. Yep. Let's just have a quick chat about this before we move on to Kema. Why do you feel that doing that MBA was so important to you? Well... One thing that happened, I did have kind of an in-between experience between uh, my time in Telefonica and coming to the UK. And I did work for a very dynamic product company, consumer electronics company. And I had a wonderful boss there. And we were the product group, so him and me. What I was doing there was totally new to me. I was sitting in between marketing and the commercial side and then From that position, I got a new perspective into products. So because it was consumer electronics, we were defining specs for TVs, MP3s at the time. Nobody kind of thinks about MP3 now, <laughs> DVD players. And I thought it was, you know, something new that I didn't think about before, like that position. I, I had been doing something very technical at Telefonica, and that was something so, I don't know, bringing new skills into my set. And I thought, I really like the product side. So I like the telecoms and I love you know, the cabinets, antennas and so on. How can I put it together if I could work in product and in telecoms? And that was what just took me the path of the MBA, not because of the MBA as such, because actually I did took some specialization subjects into product yeah. and product development. And absolutely loved it. And I also, before doing the MBA, I did get the chance to try some product specification things for the company. So we came up with way of grading new features and things. And the MBA just gave me a stronger basis on how to analyze the market, yeah. how to understand, you know, obviously the economic implications of uh, some of the decisions, how to a position, you know, if you are evaluating products, how to position them, how to communicate as well about that. And that was the reason why I decided to break kind of my working path and study. I wanted to, you know, kind of, I suppose, to give me some foundations that I hadn't acquired before. Learning a broader sense of the business almost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So was it during the MBA that you first kind of got introduced to startups and the startup ecosystem? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I've been scaling down to <laughs> the size of the companies I was working for. <laughs> so I started Telefonica and then went to a smaller place. 
And then after the MBA, I think it was when I really got into like tiny, yeah. <laughs> really tiny. So you started Kema after the MBA? Yeah, the story of Kema, I suppose, I should explain a little bit. So the company was founded in 2006. I joined the company in 2010. So the company had gone through a period of growth and things were going really well. And then some things changed with some contracts and basically they ended up scaling down big time. So I think they were at the time 13 and they ended up being three. So the original founders were four. Yeah. And the time I joined, they were three. And actually one of the founders, he had been on a sick leave for a long time and he was in the process of recovering. So he was quietly coming back onto the active life. He had gone through a very like serious illness. The day I started in the company, I went into this room, which is quite small, and there are two people. But actually, the feeling I got was the opposite. I felt I really want to be here. And I suppose what drove me to that as well was that when I saw their job offer, the only thing that was missing was, um, we want her to be called Iris Barthia. Because it was exactly my profile. They were working on network design. They had a tool. I had worked with tools before, but it gave me the opportunity then to be on the product side. So that the tool was the product. And it, it was kind of this thing I had been looking for, this kind of combination between the product. And, and because they were small, I did tell them, look, I've just finished my MBA. I do want to keep exploring the path of mixing technology and uh, business. And they were fine about it. I mean, it was so small that really, you know, everything was open. So I never had doubts about, like, the startup world. I suppose, I don't know, classifying them as a startup probably isn't correct because the company had been running for quite some time at the time. So, yeah, but never had doubts about it. Was this the first job that you'd had that you really had to kind of do multiple different things at once. Obviously, you've scaled down from Telefonica where you had your set job. Yeah. And now, what was your role at this point when you started? So my role at the time, I, I think I should break it in two. So I started very technical. So my experience in Telefonica and designing networks, I think it was very useful for them. There was this US project. At the beginning, I didn't do that much in the business or wear that many hats. Then as things were evolving, some things were changing internally in the company. And I started expanding a little bit more on kind of business development, I suppose I could call it. So then it was like technical plus sales. And then at the same time, looking at, okay, what we could add to the product that brings you know, more interest and help our customers more. Because at the time, the third director had already come back full time and we were traveling loads to the US. So we were spending two weeks in the US and two weeks in the UK. And obviously, with that very close contact to the customer, that was bringing to us this you know, beautiful information about how the product could evolve. And that made my role kind of change again. But those transitions were really soft. Yeah. Like it's, it's something that just happens naturally. So we were a team, we were all talking, we were in Starbucks discussing <laughs> with a coffee, like around the time of the data tsunami, like all these talks about data tsunami. We had been at Mobile World Congress, all these images of the wave, this Japanese wave and so on. Everybody talking about that. Then I remember with uh, Simon Chapman, who's now my business partner. So we were thinking, well, 
we do this, we have this product, what is that we need to bring it to the future? What are the things that will be needed? And suppose that's the bit that links with new product development. And I was telling him, well, based on my experience as an engineer and the times that I remembered when I was working in Telefonica, and we were thinking, obviously, we will sell this to operators. And what will the engineers at those mobile operators need from a tool? So I was telling him, well, it would be wonderful if we had these features. It would be great. It would be kind of the dream if we could just input or define what we want to do, what, which is the area that we want to design, not worrying about you know, importing data and you know, all the things that I knew that were massive hassles that were just a waste of time. You weren't adding anything to the engineering. And then also thinking about how the market was going to evolve. Like, and at the time, nobody was talking about the small cells. Now the concept is very well understood. But at the time, yeah, we thought, okay, no, we will need more detail. But really, I mean, the word small cell wasn't like this marketing thing that it became later. And Simon has loads of experience. And then he said, well, we go for densification. And he has this incredible background in astrophysics and computing. And we just put things together. So it was working so well, to be honest. Like we were putting kind of things together from different angles and they were working and fitting. It was beautiful to see that growing and how we were bringing it into the tool. So I suppose, yeah, my role was just transitioning and just acquiring, you know, maybe new Response, not responsibilities even. It, it, it was, yeah, it was just happening. It's so different from corporate life where you would have had to sit in an office and have an interview basically about changing your job role where this was sat in Starbucks and you just both agreed where the business should go. Yeah. But when I look back at those times, no, no, it always makes me smile because I realise now where we are and what we have. And it all started there. I mean, on these <laughs> conversations, you know, we will be visiting clients and going back to the hotel and just exhausted, all this traveling, all these things going on. And we will talk for hours. Like, okay, what happened today? I think this went well. This didn't work. Then we will talk about the problems that people were finding. And we will try to sync up with the team in Cardiff and bring all that together. So... At the time, there were some things that also started breaking internally. And then obviously that trigger, that it had other consequences in why I ended up where I am today. But I think that in terms of you know, where I started and how that transition has been really, I mean, I suppose I stepped into this without <laughs> thinking about it. Well, the listeners have heard here first that the change in direction for Kema happened in a Starbucks years ago. <laughs> so there was a change in Kema at this time and it changed both the direction of the company and also structurally. What was the view of the company then? So did you then take the role of chief operating officer? I don't think so. <laughs> still new product development. <laughs> I think it was still new product development. Yeah, we were wearing so many hats in a day that we had to define roles so it will be understood by you know, the people that we met. Yeah. And when you hire people, I guess, as well. Yeah, but it didn't make any sense internally, really. <laughs> if I'm totally honest, there is like this blue line of you need something to put on your business card. Yeah. 
And yeah, you're introducing yourself to somebody and you have to explain what you do. And probably at the time, depending the person I was meeting, <laughs> I will use one or the other. <laughs> Just have a selection of 10 <laughs> <Yeah>. business cards. <laughs> Still today, it kind of sometimes doesn't make sense. I mean, obviously, we are defining as since Cafe Ball, we've grown and so on. We try to define it a little bit more, but still is really blurred. So what does Kema look like today as a business? What do you do? We are a software company at the core, but we specialize in network planning. And for the whole of our history, really, the problem that we are trying to solve is basically how to build the best network, providing the best return on investment. So that's kind of a very simple way of looking at it. It's a deployable business case. We are trying to create that with our tool. And today, I think compared to when I started, the industry has changed so much. And even from the consumer perspective, the user perspective, it has changed so much. So before, I used to think that our clients will mainly be mobile operators and big services companies vendors like you know, the likes of Nokia, Ericsson, the, the, the usual suspects. Yeah. And the reality is with the market evolution, I'm finding a totally new world. So companies that I never thought will need to design networks or look at network planning, they are utilizing our software. For example, cable companies, neutral host companies, the obviously services, but different level of services companies. I think it has gone broader and move away from just some big key players and expanding into like smaller groups of uh, new companies, satellite companies, IoT companies. It's just right now everything is evolving and changing so much. It's like it is bubbling. It's, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little bit like that with 4G. So with 4G, we've got the chance to, for our big entry. I mean, we, when we were at this kind of Starbucks moment, we did take the risk. So we knew what other companies like ours were doing. And we thought, well, they can't keep doing that. We think the solution will be in a different approach. And because we were independent, because we were small and nobody cared, <laughs> basically, we couldn't take the risk. Yeah. And that's what we did. And that took us into, I think, a slightly different path to the traditional companies in our space. And that has shaped as well what we are today. So one of the things that we were thinking, it's going to be very complex, but engineering teams within the companies, they won't grow or maybe they get smaller. So we need to create something that allows us to, with a very small team, do loads. And that approach, you know, it's also applied to us. We are very small, but we can do amazing things. I mean, as we speak, we've got computers in the cloud running the whole of the US. So as we were flying, we've done this so many times. Before going into the plane, we will trigger some analysis. By the time we were landing, it's done. And then we can spend our time into looking at the real value-added aspects of it. So the engineering aspects and that approach, we've tried to apply it both to our product and to our company. And that definitely, you know, I think, explains how we are and who we are today. Yeah. I think it still applies. So what are the key 
challenges that you faced with your time at Kema? Well, yeah, definitely when that transition happened, <laughs> that will be the one super big challenge. That was a massive team effort. Like the, the ones that were left, we had to really go for it. One of the critical times I remember, I came back from holiday from Spain. And I remember going into the office and Simon and Chris were there and they said, well, two other founders have left. Now what do we do? I didn't have any doubts at all. We have been going through a horrible time, absolutely horrible time whilst all that was going on. And I said, well, what do we do? We, we've got a fantastic product. We've got this idea of the market. We've got now total freedom to do and to explore what we think is going to be a future solution for network planning. We can change the world. <laughs> and that was basically what I felt. At that time, I thought, oh, with what we know, with what we have, we can change the way that networks are designed. We know people haven't realized yet the changes they will need, what is going to happen. And we know it. We know it. we have the capability of making it, creating it. And so no doubts at all. And that was so beautiful moment. And then reality came on, <laughs> just hit me hard. Like, <laughs> so great moment of, yes, we can do it. No doubts at all. And then how do we do paperwork <laughs> and so on. And for example, things at the time, we didn't change the name of the company. And obviously we were trying to keep everything going. We, we had some projects, but we were tiny. And with all that going on, that was very hard work. And it was hard sometimes to keep up and not to be drowned into, this is too difficult. And I think that's where the team came in. If it wasn't because we had each other to you know, be supportive, when one was down, then the other will take over. But that was a critical time. And yeah, obviously, um, you know, working without being paid and without knowing <laughs> you, will, you will ever be paid. <laughs> because we did have some employees. So we were kind of three core, but then we have two part-time as well working with us and... To me, that I had never thought about, you know, having a company in a sense. That was such a massive responsibility. I always saw myself on the employee side, never on the other side. And suddenly it was like, oh, what do I have to do now? I mean, I have to, to take care of. <laughs> now I have this responsibility that I never thought I would have. It was like, okay, the employer will provide. No, <laughs> <laughs> now, ooh, who's the employer? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, that was a critical time. Eye-opening. Yes, yeah. And the same way that I think up to that time, it, it was a very soft transition and I didn't realize what I was going into. That was a little bit like that as well. But <laughs> I didn't realize what I was going into. But then obviously I was aware that I had other duties. Suddenly, my responsibilities were as well not only on the product, it wasn't only on my kind of a specific, because it wasn't that specific, but kind of a specific day-to-day -day job. It was broader. Yeah. It became broader. It became like I have to think about my business partner, I have to think about my colleagues in a different way because I now have a responsibility towards them. And yeah, that had just happened. I didn't look for it in a sense. 
but it was just like no it's just the logical thing to do yeah but of course i didn't think about the other side and that was yeah eye-opener definitely yeah your career path has scaled down in size yeah. from telefonica <laughs> to kema what's coming up for kema what's scaling back up look well, like i think we have an amazing product but obviously i realized about the challenges that we've got over these years and we've got some of them like sometimes as i said we try to do things in a very clever way, but not everybody understands that. And we found ourselves in situations where even if our product was the best technical solution, we weren't chosen. Yeah. And we find ourselves sometimes in situations that where even if we know we have the right solution, so somebody's asking the questions and we know we can answer them, they don't seem to be you know, attracted by maybe our size or so things like that. Sometimes we've found that. We used to find it a lot more before. Now I think we become known. So like, for example, we don't really do marketing. And most of the clients we've got, it's because word of mouth. And actually they called us, they said, okay, I've got this thing that I want to do. Uh, Can you do it? Uh, Yes, of course, we can do it. (laughs) So it has been like that for a long time. But I think we've got so much potential. And now, as I said before, this is such a everything is happening moment that I would like to see that kind of scale up and curve. Obviously, the future, at least for the next five or 10 years or however long it is, is Kema. And it sounds like you're not just passionate, but also excited to see where this journey goes. But does the future look like an exit? for the company or do you want to just keep on growing it? Well, we've always wanted to keep on growing. So we've been approached by companies interested in, suppose, investing or kind of working with us in a more engagement way. And I think for Simon, for example, that's very important. It's about like the fit of those companies and people interested in investing in us and understanding where we want to go and what we want to do because I mean yeah so many things are happening now that you know we've got like these brilliant ideas so we haven't finished with the product so we see that there is still like many things that we can expand and still create and yeah in the past sometimes for example there were some times that even if maybe the similarities or the correlation between the companies were right the one it wasn't and that's also important obviously like the value yeah. And obviously being the company that we are, like uh, self-funded and going through the history we've gone, we want somebody that understands the real value we've got. And we found ourselves in situations where people will approach us and talk about values that we don't think are the real ones for our company. In other situations, though, I mean, we found that we were talking about, um, you know, very interesting options, but, um, well... We'll see in the future. See in the yeah. future. And what about yourself, though? If you did, for instance, hypothetically exit in five, ten years' time and the company went somewhere else, what would you see yourself doing, do you think? Maybe setting up your own company, maybe investing? Mm-hmm. Well, now that I have tested it, <laughs> I don't know. If you asked me before, I would say, yeah, no, I just want to keep the technology path. Now that I have experience to know how dynamic, how creative it could be to work with people building something together. I think, uh, you know, I would probably want to keep that. But I, I'm not sure. 
I don't know. I am so focused, I think, on, on where we are <laughs> and our present moment and where I want to see us going that I, I haven't thought about, I don't know. I imagine myself like an old retired lady painting or something, but I don't know if that's a reality. <laughs> it may not be. <laughs> I love technology and I love the kind of like the product and this creativity thing that is associated to how we can change the world. I don't know, the impact. I think it's a little bit about the impact. I think I would like to work on something that really, you know, changes things. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know when, but I really think I will try to, to do that. Yeah. Well, your focus is obviously on Kema for the time being, and the passion is evident on where Kema's going and how much you believe in it. We will all be listening and looking out for Kema and see where you go. It's been absolutely fascinating to have a chat with you and thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Invested Investor podcast. You can subscribe to all future podcasts via our website, investedinvestor.com, or via a number of podcast platforms online. Remember, you can order our book online and be sure to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to get the most up-to-date, interesting, and insightful content from The Invested Investor. <laughs>